Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. And I'm Lance. Today we are going to talk about some film news. We got a summer movie wager update before that, and then we were going to talk about Rick Famuyiwa's Dope. Nailed it. Yeah. Before we get to that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us about the show and the things that we talk about. Go to MidwestFilmNerds.com for all previous 133 plus bonus episodes and uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. That's where you can shop on Amazon, and part of your purchase will come back to us so we can make our shows and network better. Uh, there's a new Fight the Franchise out. Part one of the Halloween retrospective is out as of this past Monday, so please check it out. Uh, look for part two later this week, probably on Saturday. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So let's get on with the summer movie wager update. Jurassic World took the weekend again. Top spot for the third weekend in a row at $54.5 million, followed by Inside Out in second place with $52.3 million, and then Ted 2 took third with $33.5 million. Uh, Ted 2, I think people feel like numbers are kind of soft for how good the first one did, but we'll kind of see. Only time will tell. Um, so our top 10 at the moment, Avengers sits at the top still with one point three. $1.37 billion, whereas Jurassic World is in second place with $1.24 billion. So I think Jurassic World is going to top it any day now. Go, Jurassic World, go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, San Andreas is in third with $441 million. Mad Max is in fourth with $356 million. Pitch Perfect 2 is in fifth with $276 million. Uh, Inside Out hops from eighth to sixth place. To $266 million. Uh, Tomorrowland has $202 million. Spy is in 8th with $145 million. And Cities Chapter 3 sits at 9th with $86 million. And Poltergeist is at number 10 still with $73.3 million. That's what it looks like. Still got a lot of heavy hitters coming out. Right. A lot of them so, are probably get bounced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, heavy hitters like this week, we've got Terminator Genesis and Magic Mike XXL. Mm-hmm. Two that are very much like, I have no idea where these are going to end up on the top ten, if they're going to end up on the top ten at all. So, mm. negative reviews might be hurting Terminator, and Magic Mike's not doing that hot either. But Two big, bulky guys wondering what they're doing in the <laughs> sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Uh, those are out today if you're listening to this on the day it was released. So go check them out. All right. In film news. So it appears as though Suicide Squad is so dark that David Ayer has hired a therapist to be on the set. And uh, let's see. Adam Beach, who stars in the movie as Christopher Weiss, a.k.a. Slipknot, told E! News, David Ayer is about realism, so if your character is tormented, he wants you to torment yourself. He wants the real thing. What do we think about this? Daniel Day-Lewis, like, uh, 
he's gone through some method stuff where he like actually broke rib his rib or something in my left foot something like that i'm sure he's i mean yeah. he's always been known yeah, to go yeah. pretty yeah. method he uh he caught pneumonia doing gangs in new york because he wouldn't wear like actual warm clothes he'd wear like period clothes and the last time he can see lived like in the woods outside of the shooting location mm-hmm. yeah and like hunted his own food and stuff uh-huh. that's but, yeah that's uh that's that's him though. Yeah. <laughs> he can back that up with consistent powerhouse performances. Sure, sure. And like they were saying that Leto has been he sent his castmates gifts, like as like in character as a Joker, he sent them like weird things. Like he sent Margot Robbie like a rat and a love letter and he <laughs> sent Will Smith a bunch of bullets with a letter and like I don't know. Jared Leto's just chewing the scenery in the movies yeah. not even out yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know, it's weird. It is weird. It's just, it's just really hilariously unnecessary. Like, and the, the therapist thing, it sounds ridiculous. It just sounds like, Who's, sounds what's like the a therapist doing? Trying stuff. to help the actors? Supposedly. Well, I mean, it's, it sounds like David Ayer wants them to push themselves so hard that they're going to need therapy. Maybe. That's so weird, though. The Suicide Squad should be a fun movie. I mean, it's, they should all, they're all bad guys. They're bad guys, like, just being on a team together. It shouldn't be, like, this examination of, like, tortured people. That sounds, I don't know. And it's funny, too, because one of the other girls I read had the same quote Alex read. And then uh, the this is from uh, Charles Dean from, I forgot what website this is, whatever. It's probably just some wussy blog, but... It just says, and this is exactly what I was thinking, it says, my first reaction is to laugh at how absurd it is to think this movie is so dark it eats the therapist. I would hope none of these actors are teetering so close to the edge that all it takes is for them to play someone like Captain Boomerang or Killer Croc to make them snap. Yeah. (laughs) That's a pretty good quote. I mean, yeah, it seems like... I mean, I get that, like, actors are probably a little more emotionally attuned than us, but they're also professional actors. I don't think they need therapists to talk them down from the edge. But maybe because they're not Daniel Day-Lewis and David Ayer wants them to push themselves that way. He just wants... That's just it's just funny. It's just yeah. a stupid story that I don't yeah. think anyone can really... Well, apparently one kid on my Facebook can take seriously, but <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Like, come on. You, you pack up your bags and you go home at the end of the day and, you know... It's like that episode of The Office where Michael tries to simulate prison... They're like, Michael, no one wants to be in prison. We go home at the end of the day. We have social lives. We have families. <laughs> Don't be silly. Yeah. Anyway, well, I just thought it was, I, I read it and I was like, hold on. <laughs> I have to read this again. Yeah. They just want to like keep us thinking about the movie up until the release date. Just just throwing out little bits here and there. It might just be like a, like a Marvel's got a story every day because that's all anybody wants to read. So yeah, here's Brian a little... Singer's been quiet lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is really a Tim discussion. We need Tim well, we to got weigh the video. in on Jared Leto. We got the vi- we got, we're still getting stuff out of Fox Marvel properties because there's a video of Olivia Munn swinging a sword around like Psylocke. And oh, I forgot she's playing Psylocke. S- supposedly... Uh, Channing Tatum is learning card tricks from one of the some dude who's given a TED talk on like sleight of hand. So, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. 
Yeah, it's and the and the other thing that's funny too is like Suicide Squad set photos obviously keep coming out in like a barrage and there's yeah. tons of them, like the seven or eight of them sitting around like laughing and like drinking beers. And I'm like, these guys don't seem that stressed out about what they're doing. Mm, yeah. I'm sure Jared Leto's in his trailer just like punching himself in the scrotum to like <laughs> get into character. <laughs> while the rest of them are just like, Man, we're having a great time out here with Will Smith. Quoting Fred Le- Frederick Douglass while talking about his uh <laughs> His acting process. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or that. <laughs> either, either way, therapist, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we, can, we're pissed. we can move on to uh, the other piece of news that we wanted to talk about. It's kind of a slow news week, I think. Uh, there's a lot of, like, maybe news out there, and there's a lot of small things that people are like, let's write an article about that. But... Mm-hmm. I don't want to give those the time today. So, mm-hmm. th- I mean, this is kind of one of them, but it's something we actually really care about. So, it seems as though uh, Ron Perlman has an Instagram account, and it's actually him. It's verified. And uh, he posted a picture of, like, the Hellboy 2 poster, and his his uh, wording on it was lurking, waiting, and then poof. One more Roman numeral after the name, as if by magic. So, this is kind of a big... Uh, uh, maybe a red herring. Oh, Hellboy's red. But it's kind of weird because uh, Guillermo del Toro was like, mm, I don't think it's going to happen. It seemed like the, the boat has sailed for, for Guillermo, but Ron's kind of been like, hey, let's make it happen. Let's get it going. So You, you didn't say what I thought you were going to say. Guillermo del Toro dropped out of Justice League Dark. That's true. That's true. Today or yesterday. Yeah. So... So his schedule... He's only got 13 more movies in development. <laughs> <laughs> There's room for Hellboy. 14, yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, I I would be excited about a new Hellboy. It sounds like Lance apparently may not be. The real discussion here. Listen, okay, Hellboy, uh, if you could write into the script scenes that don't make me fall asleep, I will watch it. (laughs) What? (laughs) I literally just had this conversation earlier today at work that... I think both Hellboy movies are among the most underrated superhero movies. I think Hellboy 2 is like a 9.5 out of 10. Ooh. <laughs> but oh, Hellboy yeah. 2 was a 2. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> wow. My mind is blown. It's a 2 out of 3, right? No. Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> two maybe out of in some 2.5. Man, that surprises yeah. me. Yeah. Without getting too in-depth, why? Uh, they're just not, they're too, um, for me, they're too fantastical without any substance. I don't feel any substance when I watch those films. I mean, he does great with like Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, those, they've got a real good weight to them, but it's what Hellboy for me just doesn't do it. I mean, and you know, it's just one, one guy's opinion, but it's just, I could not get through either one. And, and as far as entertainment goes, I mean, there's not a lot to, to write home about. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like, hey, I just saw Hellboy. No, I was like, it's more like I just saw Hellboy. <laughs> it's just oh, like man. very, very <laughs> flat. What a drag. The first, yeah. the first one's good. Like, it's a good movie, I think. But this, I think the second one is superb. Mm. I love it. I think it looks great. I think the action is awesome. Mm. Everyone's more into their characters. I think the little arc of Hellboy kind of becoming more like accepting of like caring about people is really good. And 
I don't know. I just think it's it's excellent. Well, Lance, we've we've previously <laughs> spoken on the podcast about how uh, Chaldean people don't like fantastical things. Do yeah. you feel like it's part of your Chaldean? It's part of my heritage. Heritage yeah. uh, <laughs> leaking through. Yeah, probably something like that. Like well, I look at the screen, I'm like, what is, what is this? What is this cartoon? Who's this, who's this red guy? <laughs> who's this, why is this guy red? And why is he? Like, <laughs> it's not a boy. it's clearly not a boy (laughs) oh man yeah Yeah. well it's see earlier when you said maybe they'll make a good hellboy movie i thought you were like a diehard fan of the comics or something and didn't like the adaptation oh no because it was not so (laughs) most people that i've read that like the comics enjoy the movies for the most part they're Mm -hmm. considered pretty relatively faithful Mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, would you give a third Hellboy a shot? Probably not. Then, if you're like, eh, same team, same. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. I don't know. I probably wouldn't do it. I mean, that's one. That's one franchise I just stay away from because I'm like, I just gave you two shots already. <laughs> Man, yeah. that's your rep. Like, I mean, that's that's fine. It just blows my mind. Mm. I think this the second one is so much fun. And I remember I showed it to like you mm-hmm. and Gojo, and I think Rick. Like, a bunch of us watched it, and everyone, like, kind of was like, why are we watching Hellboy 2? And everyone was like, oh, it was pretty fun, actually. No, and it. I I mean, I was at the point I'd always wanted to watch a Hellboy 2 because I really enjoyed the first one. So it was, fi- like, finally sitting down. I don't know why, why I'd never seen it, <clears throat> but I guess I just never had that pull to actually check it out. But I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it since, and I would, I, I think I'd do for a revisit, but... I visited Pan's Labyrinth and and quite enjoyed that. Maybe maybe it just needs another. You know, you gotta watch with a bunch of white guys. When I'm fu- yeah, <laughs> when I'm fully fully interested. But I don't. I wasn't interested. In the That's big, fair. I mean, it's just like yeah. it, it's definitely a weird property. It's really yeah. weird because yeah. I remember the first time I saw the first movie, I was kind of like, "What the hell is this?" Like, it's just very strange. Mm-hmm. But then at some point, the characters just clicked. And mm-hmm. Ron Perlman is so much fun to watch as that character. Like yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's born to play. Well, that's among the roles he's born to play because he's really good at a lot of things. But he, I just love how much he loves it. Mm-hmm. I love how much he loves that character. The whole story about him dressing up and the full full outfit and going to the children's hospital yeah. and like meeting that kid whose dream was to meet Hellboy. Like that's awesome. And that's what got the whole ball rolling again. He was like, you know what? We should make a third one. That yeah. was like that was like three years ago. Or yeah. Something. And yeah. then there's been like little bits and pieces on like Pacific Rim press tours where Guillermo's yeah. talked about it and little things like that. So I don't know. Here's hoping. It would be fun, but if they don't have a really good story for it, but I think they probably do. They were kind of setting up a third movie there. If yeah, it, I think Guillermo has like he's yeah. spoken about where he wanted it to go. So if it's a story knows, worth telling but, and everyone's bat on board, you know, let's I'd say do it. But yeah, whatever. All right, we'll see. Check back later. Maybe we'll have more Hellboy news. Lance's review of Hellboy. Yep. To the Golden Army. Solo. <laughs> the Blu-ray has been like $4 on Amazon for like five years. <laughs> like it's consistently been, re- and I haven't bought it. I'm just like, oh, wow. yeah, it'll go down a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy at the end of airplane, I'll give it 20 more minutes. It'll, it'll drop another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we can hear the dog. I don't, the yes. dog has not made her podcast appearance. The official yet. dog of the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can hear the click clack of her nails or not, but she's here. She's here in spirit with us. She almost got to barking on the Halloween podcast, but oh, it didn't happen. Yeah. So maybe someday we'll see. I'm holding her currently. Yes, it's adorable. <laughs> 
All right, I think that's it for film news. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, uh, how are we for time? Uh, we're getting there. I just want to say after I listened to last week, the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man seems cool. Yeah. I think it's the director that's weird. Oh, yeah, John Watts. I mean, maybe it's not weird. It's just funny that it's everyone's like, who? Yeah. Right. Oh, they did say uh, it's going to be like a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of cool, I think. I think it's good because really you don't get a lot of Peter in high school. You do for the first 20 minutes of the Toby Spider-Man. And then basically as soon as he's got his powers in the Andrew Garfield one, it just that gets totally de-emphasized except for like the Gwen Stacy stuff. And that's about it. Right. So I think spending more time with Peter in high school and dealing like that's the strength of Spider-Man as a comic is that he's a teenage kid dealing with not letting his family down and trying to do well in school and trying to be a superhero like dealing with all of that stuff i think that's some of the core spider-man that it's interesting because uh i read this thing online about how most people think that way but spider-man hasn't been a teenager in the comics for like 45 years or something crazy like he was only a teenager for like the first few years and he just has always been an adult since then but it's funny because people attached to that teenage that idea of this this adolescent dealing with this great power great responsibility etc it's kind of like this timeless idea so it's um i mean i think i think it's it's cool i mean like every cartoon that comes out is peter in high school right well well, that's Mm -hmm. because kids watch cartoons yeah kids don't want to watch a 35 year old man (laughs) like his wife (laughs) so so (laughs) deal with marital problems it kind of makes sense that maybe popular opinion would pertain to that because that's probably when most people people were attuned to spider-man was when they were younger anyway it's it's cool and it's it's good for civil war it's good to have a young spider-man that's kind of impressionable yeah but man i hope i hope eventually we get like a like an, a, a grown-up playing spider-man it'd be cool to see an adult spider-man dealing with the adult things he has to handle like trying to juggle like a, a marriage and like a career and like that's spider-man two and three man no <laughs> so. spider-man three spider-man was not an adult Really. He was actually, he was an emo kid. It's true. <laughs> he regressed yeah. in age. Yeah. That's no, I just think it'd be cool to see him as, as, a, as a, a man. It'd be interesting to watch somebody who's lived with this for all these years and like get that. I think it was the one thing. I don't remember if Tim talked about it in regards to Amazing Spider-Man. I don't remember, but I think it was Tim who talked about how he wanted to see or enjoyed seeing Spider-Man in one of the movies, I don't remember what, as like kind of in his prime, like really in the swing of things and being you know, really at the top of his game. That yeah. would be cool to see like a Spider-Man who's been doing it for like a decade and it's just a rock star. But anyway, I think... Well, in 10 years when Marvel announces Spider-Man... Genesis. Spider-Man <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> XXL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. But for some reason, it still feels like a new direction for Spider-Man, even though both of the previous series have touched on that part. I think, just, it, I think it is because they've pretty much said they want to hang in high school for a while. And yeah. he's, what, 19? He's he's a young guy. Toby was probably in his he's early, like you know, early 20s. He's like five to eight years younger than, than Toby and Andrew Garfield. And yeah, they were both like late 20s. At the time of their Spider-Man right. casting. So it's cool to have an actual young person yeah. that'll be able to do it for a while yeah so, hey cool 
All right. I think that's it for news. Uh, complete. We can move on to our review of Rick Famuyiwa's Dope. Uh, this is a movie that was a big hit at Sundance this year and uh, got a wide release a week or two ago, two weeks ago. And uh, it stars Shamik Moore, Tony Revolori, Kiersey Clemens, and a bunch of other people, Blake Anderson from uh, Workaholics fame, and quite a few other people, Rick Fox. Um, the IMDb synopsis says, Life changes for Malcolm, a geek who's surviving life in a tough neighborhood, after a chance invitation to an under- underground party leads him and his friends into a Los Angeles adventure. So uh, Ted 2 came out this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us cared about Ted 2. But I think we kind of figured that it would be a good opportunity to talk about something that maybe people weren't paying as much attention to. And Dope was there. And so here we are. Yeah, you know, you're summer, you're summer movie wager about how films make billions and millions of dollars. Dope has so far made $12.1 million. Yeah. So that, that means not a lot of people have seen it. Yeah, know? exactly. So people, films like this, you know. I think they should be seen and should be made. So, anyway. Yeah, so Lance wrote a, uh, a written review available on MidwestFilmers.com if you uh, want to go and check that out. But how did you feel about the film, Lance? I, I enjoyed the film a lot um, because it's just a good uh, a good feeling film. And I don't know. With all the darkness and Suicide Squad, I don't know if we get we're gonna get that from Suicide Squad. Probably more good feelings, more good vibes, and and dope than, which is called dope. <laughs> um, it should be you know about drugs and stuff. Um, but we get we get a good good vibes from from this film. So, um, just a lot of fun comedy scenes, a lot of really clever kind of action scenes as well. A few action scenes in there. Yeah. Um, just uh, it's a film with a with a good message, you know. Because if you want to make make a film, you can make a film that's entertaining, but you know, throw a little bit of truth in there, a little bit of uh, heart. Somewhat, yeah, a little bit of heart. Show something from someone else's perspective that's not typically explored. I think uh, I think you're doing something right. All right, uh, Nick, what did you think about <sighs> Dope? God, that was succinct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. I stumbled a few <laughs> times. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I keep so I keep, bad at that. I got brevity. Um, brevity <laughs> is that the movie? That Sam Raimi movie? Bre- brevity is that a, is that a Sam Raimi movie? No, I don't know. Talking about levity. I think that's Sam Raimi. Cool. Maybe not. I could be wrong. Oh God, <laughs> I just ruined it. Uh, dope. I liked a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I had kind of low expectations for it, and it was one of those things where. Like I looked at the list of things coming out, it was like, (laughs) 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 and I was like, "Let's go see Dope," because it was like what the the movie snob in me wants to say. And then it was like the same thing with Prisoners, whatever else. There was like some other stuff that week, and I was like, "Let's go see Prisoners." People Mm -hmm. like it, like Dooley from uh, is that from King of the Hill? Yeah, Mm -hmm. people like it. Let's go see that. That's kind of the way I felt about Dope. But then as I was going to see it, I was like, man, I don't know if I really want to see this movie. I'm like, eh, I guess I kind of have to now, though. <laughs> and uh, I was standing in line, and there was a showing for Spy like 10 minutes after Dope. And I was like, man, I almost <laughs> wanted to see that instead. And my girlfriend was like, I'm down. Like, she came with me, which is really nice because she uh, she loves dance. And I was like, maybe you'll like the 90s hip-hop stuff in it. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And she did. But... <clears throat> 
I was really, really, I don't want to say I was pleasantly surprised because everybody's like raving about it, but I felt like I would not connect to this movie at all. And I'm honestly not sure I did because it's really hard for me to like look, to like really have any of those characters I can connect to on like a really specific level. But I, there's a lot of universal stuff going on in this movie. And so I think people of, of any walk can enjoy it. And it, it was honestly, it was really refreshing to see a movie do with just like, that's like available, like really mainstream. And it's just like loaded with like black kids. And it's like about yeah. this one black kid's struggle in like the inner city. And it's not like super negative or like Fruitvale Station-y or <laughs> it's it, like Lance said, it's pretty positive. And yeah. this kid deals with a lot of shit. But he says throughout the movie, like, listen, I can be that kid who's like the stereotype, who's like the single mom, whose dad ran out at him, who's poor and whatever. He goes, or I can be this other kid. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, uh, and I was laughing out loud throughout it's, the movie. At a it's lot a big of scene in the movie too. That kind of, it kind of, it's too much exposition in there. <sighs> yeah, yeah, but it explains. That you could be this way or you could be that way. Right. And that was actually probably the only part of the movie I didn't really like. Um, it it starts off great. It's got pretty good pacing. It moves along. It gets a little like lost at one point. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, where's the movie going? But I didn't mind it because all the characters are really good. He's great. Uh, I already forgot his name. Shamik Moore. Shamik Moore. He's awesome. He's I'm, super awesome. I'm ready for him to be a star. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really entertaining. He's just very engaging. Yep. Uh, Tony Ravioli or whatever his name is from uh, Grand Budapest <laughs> Hotel. Tony Spaghetti. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tony Masaccioli. No, he's uh, he's really good. And yeah. um, I, I feel really bad. I can never remember anybody's name. Kiersey Clemens, the dig, dig? Diggy. 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 Oh, my God. Yeah. She's adorable. She's <laughs> such a doll. And she's the most foul-mouthed, like, worst one of all of them. <laughs> but I was, like, in love with her. I was like, yeah. she's so cute and just fun to watch. The three of them together are just a blast. Everybody in it's really good. I uh, loved the music throughout, both the source music and the original score was really good. Uh, Blake Anderson is in it, and he's really funny. He's mm-hmm. got he's got a great line, uh, like a great scene that was the whole theater was laughing. Um, it was just it was awesome. It was it was really good. I liked it a lot. I'm really puzzled as to why Tim, <laughs> who tried yeah. to see it, that's it's a real bummer because Tim tried to see the movie, but the projector died, and then apparently Imagine was just like we've lost power. Sorry, screenings are yeah, canceled. Yeah, because when I went to the theater the next day, there were still signs everywhere that said no power, but the power was on. So. Okay. But he said he didn't like it. He was yeah. halfway through so it. So he, he, he's like, I, I, I really wanted to see the second half because I didn't like the first half oh. at all. But then I was like, will you ever watch it? And he said, I'll, I'll watch it on demand someday. He was yeah. like, I'm not really like jonesing to see the rest of it. And I was like, wow, because like, I was pretty into it right yeah. when I started. And I mean, the theater was was liking it. It was Everything was grooving. But I thought it was, I thought it was good. I think... Um, I think it'll yield a really interesting discussion. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's pretty, it's, it was refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I'm bummed Tim, Tim couldn't make it. I wanted a dissenting opinion. I wanted, I told him that he could be the, uh, the Scalia of the podcast, but, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to sound like a, like a parrot. Cause I mean, I, I liked the movie quite a bit. I enjoyed pretty much everything about it. I have a few, like one one kind of major gripe with it that is mostly just like a suspension of disbelief and mm. at that point if i get rid of that then i'm like oh i enjoy the movie so i kind of i'm okay with like sweeping it under the rug a little bit but i can talk about that more in spoilery um but it's just a really kind of i like the way that nick put it it's it's a refreshing movie and that it's just kind of you know 
a lot of like really young black kids that are having like a positive experience and trying not to be the stereotype and and i think that's interesting and cool and it was it was fun to watch and uh there's a lot of uh there's a lot of really funny jokes there's a lot of like really interesting situations that they find themselves in mm-hmm. and and i like how the movie kind of lives in this geek world like there are probably some people that see this movie and don't know that bitcoin is a real thing and mm-hmm. not like invented mm-hmm. for this movie mm-hmm. and and the idea that like this geek dna is woven in there and serves a function in the story as well i think it's it's cool to see all of that in in this kind of movie where you may not necessarily expect it anyway so mm-hmm. um no i don't know i enjoyed it quite a bit i don't know if i have that much more to say about it in non-spoiler terry I think the one of the things that made it really refreshing and cool was that these kids were like really enthusiastic about something. Yeah. <clears throat> like yeah. the movie's very like steeped in in this culture that they love, but they like they really love it and they own it and they are not ashamed of it even though they get picked on and they're not like victimized by the fact that they love like old somewhat obsolete mm-hmm. music and they literally base their identities around it. Yeah. It's cool how enthusiastic they are and it's a little bit infectious. Mhm. Yeah. Like in the theater, I remember being like, man, I remember being like that into something yeah. and just being like, like it's almost part of your personality <laughs> and like what you do. Like I was a real like metal kid in high school. I loved like just heavy metal and I used to have like Metallica shirts and all that. Stuff. And it was just like the thing that you wore and like it projected mm-hmm. part of who you were. And that was fun to watch these kids and be like, man, can kids still do that today? I don't know. I don't know. It was just cool. It was fun to watch yeah. them be and they would get really excited talking with each other about it and like the one scene where um he talks to another character about about hip-hop and they kind of had this connection over it yep it was kind of interesting you didn't and I was expect like, that right i was like that's pretty yeah. neat yeah yeah, yeah. but it, the one guy yeah, like, like corrected him he's talking yeah. he's talking right. to this guy who's presumably like a, a drug dealer like a gangbanger yeah and and you're just kind of they like have this intelligent discussion about hip-hop like the the hip-hop of the 90s and mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like wow like what what is this? It doesn't necessarily feel like the world that we live in, but that's just because a lot of like the stereotype that mm-hmm. gets played into just yeah. kind of yeah exactly seeps through. So and I think that's hilarious. part of the power of the movie is it just defies a lot of expectations yeah. across the board. Totally. And there's actually there's a kind of a dark. There's like the one scene in the movie that gets pretty heavy for a second, and I I really liked it. I was like, ooh, I know we'll get into that a little bit more. Okay, remember that. Uh, I want to hear my best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. You know, you were about to say something. Well, uh, right before that scene, one of the hilarious things was like just the whole world building. Like it actually like is like like a map when they're trying to get home, like (laughs) because they have to like pass by the the thugs that like record YouTube videos. Yeah. uh, And and oh my god, that was funny. That with like the stolen shoe that they stole (laughs) from. from Malcolm, yeah, and then like he's like, "Oh, I can go this way," and then but these kids are gonna try to steal my bike, and then like, but then he ends up just, through just you know through fate, I guess, talking to this drug dealer who then leads him to go talk to a girl that he likes, and that leads him to a party, and then that leads him, you know, it's kind of this cool kind of almost like down the rabbit hole kind of fairy tale kind of thing, yeah, that happened in the movie. So I enjoyed that. You know, it was very, it was very, very nicely plotted. But at the same time, there were there are things that are not part of the plot at all. Like when they're talking about hip hop, or when they're talking about like the guy who can't pronounce cereal, he says yeah. burial and stuff like that. <laughs> like that's totally not part of the movie, but it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, it felt like 
what did I? Th- it felt like another movie, but it, it, it rem- I guess it reminded me of like Superbad in ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was kind of like a black kids in Superbad, but better movie. Not trying to be not, just crass, right? Yeah. yeah, like actually being interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of those little scenes that had nothing to do with anything, a lot of times that'll kind of pull me out and I'd be like, oh, all right. But no, they were they were really funny and mm-hmm. they helped flesh out the characters a little bit more. Definitely, definitely. Especially yeah. the kind of three against the world camaraderie yeah. that those three have was really definitely. fun. Because yeah, they were they were together, man. Like that was the yeah. cool thing about them was that each one was their own person, but they were a unit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, your mention of that scene. Where they the, he's like talking about it. it was almost kind of Ferris Buellery at times too. Yeah, but he where he's like I can go down this street and do that or mm-hmm. this street yeah. or that, and it, it did feel very uh, like the script structure was really strong. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of like I feel the pieces of this movie. It feels a lot like mm-hmm. you know it's just a good old fashioned like kid goes to point A, this thing happens, it gets the whole rest of the movie on. Yeah. It's like it yeah. just felt pretty tight yeah which if yeah. that stuff is yes yeah, that stuff is tight then you can do whatever with the rest of the movie mm-hmm. you know people are confident that you are that the filmmaker knows what they're doing right yeah yeah all right cool i think that's it for non-spoiler terry we'll take a quick break and talk about some spoilers dope Here we are in spoiler Terry for dope. So my one gripe that I have with the movie is that there's a lot of convenience and it's not so much the idea that we were talking about where his fate led him to the party, which led him through that and blah, 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 blah. The weird intersection of the idea that the interview that he was going to have for college is also the dude who's like the drug dealer in the the boys club ring is really weird to me. AJ. And the idea that AJ would take that opportunity of what has been presented before him to be this kid's kind of interview to get him into Harvard just doesn't sit right to me. Like, it just feels it feels convenient, and it feels weird, and it feels so completely fantastical, whereas I feel like the rest of this movie is still like, this could all happen somewhere. Like that, that one point kind of just makes me feel like, mm, I don't know. Mm. Plus he, he like, it's really, there's no telegraphing into why they, they have this weird adversarial relationship. Like to me, I don't really understand why AJ's just kind of like, you know what kid, this is your fault. And blah, blah, like he doesn't say anything like that, but it just feels to me like he, he has this turn of he like he's the bad guy of the movie, and I don't know why. I don't know his motivation of 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 doing that. So it's all of that being up in the air is really the only problem that I have with the movie. And if I discount that and just be like, okay, suspension of disbelief. It was all super convenient. These things happen. This guy's a dick. He made it go that way. Then I'm like, okay, the movie, the movie's great. It's a lot of fun. But when I think about that, it's just kind of this. I don't know if it all comes together for me. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. This is kind. Of, I wanted to put it out there because it's what I felt about it. But that's the sore thumb for sure. Yeah, because even when they introduce this uh, college admissions um, interview, 
yeah. and talk about who he's going to meet. He's like, he went to Harvard, but he runs a check cashing place. And then like, he's like, and then the, the guidance counselor says something like, no, they're not all doctors or something they're like that. They're not all CEOs. Yeah, exactly. Well, he is the CEO. They can't all be president. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but they can't all be president. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, why even it's, say it's that? It's a bad example. <laughs> why even say that? I mean, like you're a business owner. That's cool. I mean. I think um, the thing that, the vibe I got right off the bat was that Jacoby's check cashing, or what did I just say? Check cashing. <laughs> <laughs> Jacoby's check cashing. <laughs> Shack cashing. Uh, <laughs> Is that when you spell it with a Q? Yes. C H A Q U E. Jacoby's check cashing was kind of like a seemed like a business that was really big to the area. Kind yeah. of like uh, coming to America. Kind of like McDowell's. Oh yeah. How like McDowell was like. He's not like super successful, but in the community there, he's a really successful guy. Mm-hmm. I kind of got the vibe right away that this Jacoby's check cashing was like kind of a big thing in the area. Yeah. So it, it makes sense to me that he, if he's a person of influence and he's from the area and he's kind of familiar with like the 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 drug trade and that, like he kind of knows about it. It makes sense that he would kind of get plugged into it. Like I, it didn't really. I thought, wow, that I did think it's a little convenient, but it didn't bother me. I just thought, wow, what a small world it okay. is. And as far as him being the bad guy, I didn't think he was very adversarial, adversarial at first. But I think the reason Malcolm is so adversarial towards him is because he's supposed to be like a pillar of the community. He's supposed to be working with the Boys and Girls Club. He's supposed to be a man of Harvard, which yeah. which Malcolm considers to be like a something of high esteem. He keeps referring to this like idyllic man of Harvard. When he finally meets one and it's like a like a drug kingpin, I think he's probably just kind of pissed. <laughs> Disappointed. And... Disappointed, exactly. And thinking like, oh, so you just, after all the opportunity you have, you just decided to come back to Inglewood and deal drugs. I'm going to get you. All right. I bought into that aspect right. Of it right away. Like when he sticks it to him at the end, I was like, that's kind of awesome. No, yeah, it was, it was great. But I, and, I, and that's just what I thought. But I, I got to say, man, that guy, that guy's whole... Just staring him down. His way of looking and like his his like William Shatner speech pattern. It was almost it was so... almost Keegan Michael Key. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's oh my god, exactly. He was yeah. oh that's perfect. He was like the substitute teacher character. Yep. Yeah, he was just really bizarre, and I was just the whole time cocking my head, going, "What the hell?" Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to say in line with that, with the whole come up and city gets in the end, I wish that. Um, we get a lot of comments about tech and like the oh they should make an app so you can avoid all the like ways bullies yeah like make a ways for bullies and like all of those little things are kind of plugged in here but I never really get the sense that Malcolm has the, the know how or the access to the people with the know how that would really be able to help him pull all of that off like even Blake Anderson's character. He's a lot of that. He's the, oh, I got into his network and we learned all these things about him. We got all his information. But the whole plotting of everything and and just being able to put that plan together, I don't really... I think Malcolm's a very bright kid and that... Straight A's. Yeah, straight A's. Like, it makes sense. But I wish that we got to experience some of that in the movie because so much of the beginning of it is here's this kid dealing with... He thinks this girl's cute and he's going to this party and getting yeah. mixed up into the wrong stuff. You don't get much of the 
Malcolm has the mastermind to put it all together. Uh, so to me, it just kind of feels like it arrives at this point where Malcolm did all of this stuff, and we're just supposed to kind of be like, okay. What was that flashback? They were like, like uh, Will snorted something, and he was like, "You do you want me to set this up?" You know, he's like, he was, and then and then Malcolm's like, "No, no, no, I'll do it." Did Malcolm actually do it? Yeah, and yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, and that's that's the it's it's kind the of computer like computer code and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he's talking about um, like running some kind of he's prompt about, on his system. That no, way. he's talking about um, setting up to tether the Bitcoin account to an actual bank account. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he seemed like he could kind of figure it out. I and I I think he could too, but I just wish that it was more in the language of the movie that we get to see Malcolm being smart and doing smart things because a lot of it is just. Here's this kid in high school getting trapped up in all this stuff that people do get trapped up in. That's true. He did, he seemed like of the three friends the most tech savvy, um, but it, it was never like laid out like oh he's a burgeoning like software engineer. Like yeah. it just seemed like he was a geek, yeah, and he probably was really intelligent and got straight A's. But it seemed like he was more into like just being all about music than he was like being really good at computers. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of see what you're saying. It didn't really bother me in the moment. And, and it's not like, uh, it doesn't ruin the movie for me, but those are just a few of like the things where I was like, hmm. The only part of the movie I didn't really love was the his big monologue at the end as he's revising his essay. That felt really preachy. Yeah, because they had to make it visual somehow. And then they, they staged all these scenes which would never happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. Just the him talking directly into the lens felt very like the director... Taking or the writer taking a moment to stand on a soapbox and go. It's a little bit of like a dare commercial. Or Don't something. be racist to black kids. <laughs> like it was a little. It was just a little bit much. And I was like, listen, the movie's done a beautiful job already of yeah, defying of teaching you. Yeah, and... don't judge a book by its cover. Don't. You're not resigned to some kind of fate just because of who you are, where you're born, who your parents are, what your social situation is. It, it does a wonderful job all throughout reinforcing that idea, and then. It, I just felt like I was having a good time, and then somebody just walked up and just knelt onto my ear and went to whisper and just shouted in it, Don't be ignorant, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Listen to people. Look at them. Like, it was just very, it was just was too much. I was like, Oh, come on, man. And then yeah. I, I am glad the movie didn't end right there because I thought it was. I thought it was just going to end, and I'm like, I'm glad I got a little bit of a coda. Yeah. It kind of wrapped things up. And I actually, in that moment, I remembered, uh, <clears throat> Nicole's comment about like she didn't like the ending. She's like, it's very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched it and I was like, man, that is super convenient and I don't care. It was good for him. <laughs> but at the same, in a little bit, part of me was a little torn. I was like, am I supposed to root for him when he like sold a bunch of drugs and like basically blackmailed his way into Harvard? I was like, am I really supposed to be proud of him? But I was like, ah, it's hard to not though because he's like, he's a smart, like pretty likable, good guy. We know he's a good person. Who just kind of did what he had to do. He got into a shitty situation and had to and, find and, himself out of it. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, did what he had to do and and got out. But how many people say that though? You know what I mean? When they start to go down those kind of paths, like oh, I was just doing what I had to do, and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. you know, it's hard. It's hard to really like say, okay, you get a pass. You only sold a bunch of drugs and probably killed a couple teenagers, but <laughs> you know, what you, they call you hustling. Shape, yeah. It was a little, I don't know. I, I was a little torn at the end there, but he was he was a very endearing character, so I kind of. But I almost wish that, I don't know. It was just a, it was a, a little note of kind of like, how, how good am I supposed to feel for him? You know what I mean? Like, is he ever going to stop and go, 
oh shit. Oh yeah. But whatever. It was such a happy ending. I well, like, but I kind of feel like a little bit of that moment was almost when he pulls the gun on the bully. Mm-hmm. That's the scene I wanted to talk about. Okay. That was an awesome scene. It's beautiful. It's very dark and it just happens. And I really liked it because A, I didn't see it coming. And B, it was just the it was the lowest point of that for that character. And he was clearly and everyone in it did really, really well. And I'm really glad that the other kids recognized. Yes. And they and they didn't stand there with puffed out chests and go, do it, do it. Like that shit is so stupid, man. Yeah. Someone's got a gun in your face. Walk away. Like that's ridiculous. And I'm really glad it was like kind of realistic. And they're like, all right, man, here. Right. Yeah. Nobody needs to die over some shoes. Right. Exactly. It was kind of stupid. I thought at the end when they pass him in the hallway and he tips his hat to him, like, man, he, he's a thug. Yeah, right. Respect. I, I respect him now. I was like, man, that's that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> that, that's yeah. suddenly like, man, if I hold a gun to someone, they respect me. Why don't yeah. I do that all the time? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, oh, man, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But that scene was really good. Like, it got the movie just all the humor, everything just went whoop, and all the fun that had been along for pretty much the whole ride, even though like a lot of terrible things are happening, just went right in that moment was gone. Yeah. And I think it's pretty much most of the credit goes to, uh, Shamik Moore. Like yeah. that, his everything. And that's shaking was really when good. he's holding yeah. the gun. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I mean like, I felt nervous and scared. If he wasn't Absolutely. shaking, I would, I would think that he was not a good person, but when, when you are shaking with a gun, you don't want to do it, but you will, if you have to, you know, and it was cool because that's 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 a moment that probably all kids in like the in like the hood like that that grow up in in that environment. I, mean, I think a lot of people are pushed into those situations and they're like, oh god, like because yeah, in that moment, what are you gonna do? Like you need that money, otherwise you, it's him or you. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Ugh, man, it was tense. That was where he like all of his innocence would have been lost, and a lot of it was anyway. But like it yeah. could have just turned him down a totally different path. Exactly. So that was good. Yeah. Well, I one mean, thing that uh, a, v- a very small thing that uh, I thought about, when, just as you mentioned the ending with the whole with the whole college essay being visualized, was when he cut his hair, and then that really stuck with me throughout. After, after I saw the film, I saw it about a week ago, and I was like, I was like, bravo! When you when you do something like that in a movie you spend this whole time with this character and you love his flat top hair and he loves his flat top hair, you know, but for him to cut his hair at the end, I thought was such a good choice because it shows that he's willing to change, that he's not stuck or, you know, tied to this image that he put himself out there with is it's that he's, he's like, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to not be true to myself because I think at that moment he felt like he needed a change. Yeah. So, so as I was watching the scene with the whole preachiness thing, which I agree was like staged and like a little bit like, I mean, the music was so powerful in it. I liked the music in it. So that's what I was like feeling really good about it. And then, um, and then once I saw that he was like the, the shot directly after it was him like cutting his hair and the music was still pumping and everything like that. I was like, right on, you know? Like, Oh yeah. That final song yeah. that carried all the way through was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that was cool. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I remember feeling bummed out. I was like, Oh man, he's cutting his hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. heavy. Much more dramatic haircutting scene than in V for Vendetta. <laughs> I felt sadder right. when he shaved his awesome flat top. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, I wanted to real quick touch on the preachiness. I was wondering, do you think maybe that's there for the people that aren't us that don't read into the idea that this is, yeah. that these, 
these kids are defying stereotypes and expectations and it's just kind yeah. of the like final like thwap on the nose to just be like look at what you've been watching i, th- I thought that it might be like finally the director going like this is this is not necessarily a work of fiction like this happens which that's the thing i'm torn about is like it uh, it's a movie that and like i kind of said earlier it's uh it's kind of it's not hard to relate but it kind of is because the nothing in this movie is like my life circumstances and yeah. so I can only judge it based on what I already know and like what the movie presents. And the movie is so heightened kind of like the, the, even the look of it and the feel it's very like colorful. It all feels like a very heightened reality. It's hard for me to wonder how much is true and how much isn't, how much is played down. And like, cause like I could see some people just going into it and be like, man, those poor little kids in Inglewood, they have it so hard. They're all drug dealers. And like people, running that's with what it. people would take away from it right they they would yeah. run they would run further with it and say they're all just criminals and they all carry guns and all shoot each other and all or some people might think it's like too over the top and say like oh it's really played up it's not really that bad it can't be come on it's 2015 and so i wonder the movie seemed to paint a pretty realistic portrayal of kind of what average life like would be like you know and uh <clears throat> It's tough to uh it's tough to say like how much of that is necessary at the end for people to to realize like okay yeah maybe th- this character is saying something I kind of wish it had almost been handled a little less like I don't know there's just something about it that either it's blunt it is blunt I just hope it if if that is the intended purpose of it that it works and that people maybe like think a little bit more but I, don't know. I think it, it just I, was it, strange. It feels to me like that's kind of the function of of that breaking of the fourth wall is very much a the shit is real. Mm-hmm. Like, listen up. I am talking to you. This is not like yeah me revising this to, sh- to for my college essay. This is like a d- direct address to the audience. So I think it's interesting in that way. But I I totally understand that if there's people like us that might be sensitive to the idea that these are breaking expectations, that by the time you get to that point, it's Hugh Laurie and tomorrow. And I mean, yeah, you know, and here's the thing, like you like even just said, is it necessarily even for us? Because obviously, like, we're we're here, we're three pretty level-headed guys, and we're sitting in, like, in Michigan, which is a pretty, overall, I would say, pretty liberal state, and... There are people around the country that... Except for Ted Nugent. <laughs> right, right. Overall. So. <laughs> uh, although he, he's a big presence. <laughs> they're, they're obviously... I mean, we've had... Look at the... In the news, just the the, the tumult that we've had in the news with, like, the, the Confederate flag and, like... Yeah. And with, um, you know, the, the repeal uh, for gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's obviously... There's been a lot of of, of basic rights things going on lately, so... And there are people that are still objecting to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, right. so, yeah. so, yeah, your point's pretty valid. I yeah. mean, but I don't know if those people are in this movie to begin with. Totally. So. totally. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, you know, the, whoever the author in that instance, it would be it the writer or the director, they felt like that they needed that in there. That's cool. I can respect it. It didn't really bother me that much. It just kind of took me out of it, and I was a little like, well, that's fair. Might be a little fair. much, but um, obviously that's still a problem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's Damage. cool. What's that? Blemish on a on an overall pretty handsome face. 
Yeah, and I think the uh, and and it was rightfully so. It was a little bit of like a, a downer towards the end. I think people needed to be pulled back down to reality for a second and be like, "Remember, this is this is a struggle actual kids go through." Yeah, but then it just went right back up into the stratosphere again and got real like Napoleon Dynamite at the end. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. "All right, it's still a movie though." So I don't know. I I, I think it did work overall. It did work overall. All right. So it's um. I want to know what more people think about it. Yeah. I want the dissenting opinion. People go see Dope. Yeah, you know go what? see Dope. Tweet Don't go at, see... at all of you. All of you on Twitter. Tweet at TimLong1TW. Tell him that Alex is going to pay for his ticket to go finish see the movie so he can talk to us about it. So I, wanna, I want to know about people that don't like the movie. Like even on even on like Rotten Tomatoes, the movie's at like a ninety something percent. Like there's yeah, a lot wanna, of people that love it. I think that this is one of those movies that tackles something different, and it it's very it deals with something very a very specific walk of life. And I think there are a lot of people that I would love to hear differing opinions from like you know guys, girls, white people, black people, Middle Eastern people. Like what what did you think about this character? Does it does it ring true to you? Do you th- is that like your perception and Obviously, sometimes people are hesitant to talk about stuff of like racially motivated nature, but I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wish we could have gotten my buddy. We were talking about this earlier. Actually, my friend Don is uh, a black dude who I went to college with, and he is the lead singer and guitar player in a punk band and loves Nirvana. <laughs> and if you see the movie, you'll understand why this is relevant because it's basically this character. Yep. It's really funny, and I wanted to know what he would think about it. But uh, it's it seemed a lot like LA to me or like the Inglewood area. It seemed pretty real. So yeah, maybe we can have Tim and Don on. That'd be funny. Special dope bonus episode. Yeah. It's a very like, it's a very American movie. It feels very like yeah. America. Yeah. And so I wonder what like international people would think of it too. Yeah. If they can even see it. I don't know where the hell it's playing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm almost surprised it was at the theater. It was at, it's a pretty, yeah, feel, it feels like, an in, yeah, it feels like an indie movie too. Like mm-hmm. it's cool that it got picked up. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. surprised that there hasn't been more buzz about it in the Detroit area. Yeah. So. A couple of, I've got three things. Okay. If we please. have some time. Yeah. And we can talk about one of them, one of the three. I'll let you guys choose. So one thing is. Um, oh, go. <laughs> yeah. One thing is um, the scene that I think doesn't get talked about enough is when Lily kind of offers to take his virginity. Okay. That scene and how that plays in the teen movies. And then um, the handbag scene, which is kind of like the one that's like. Take a hammer, hit the nail on the head, kind of scene, but it's still cool because they kind of subvert it a little bit. And then um, the use of the N word when Will says the N word, and like basically, I, I can run through that one really quick because like basically, Kiersey Clemens, uh, Diggy, Dig, Digger, Diggy, I think Diggy, it's Jib. It's not. It's Jib and Diggy. Jib yeah. and Diggy. Yep. Jib yeah. and Diggy. So um, she's like, you, you, you can. S- you can say it, but I'm just going to slap you, you yeah. know, basically like kind of like not outlawing the use of this word, which, you know, like Will's character will up and down say, you know, what about artistic integrity? You know, I, I want to say it, you know, I feel like <laughs> if I say the word, then, you know, I'm like one of you guys, you know, and, and she's like, you can say it, but I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to slap you. And then like, she's, he's talking to the two other guys, Malcolm and Jib. And they're like, I don't care, man, you can say it, whatever. And then, he finally says it, and then she, he gets slapped, obviously. Yeah. So, like, I thought that was a cool thing to do because it's kind of like the things that we all want to say, you know, that, like, that we all want to discuss and have out in the open. So we're not so afraid of them anymore, you know? Like, like even when they buried the N-word 
it said n-word on the coffin the NAACP you know so like they're, they're still afraid to discuss these things and talk about these things which the the more that you kind of avoid talking about something the bigger and scarier it becomes yeah you don't know how to handle it so you don't talk about it and and then it becomes this fearsome thing that's like don't go there you know and i think when you have will in there who's kind of doing that for the audience you know i think it was a pretty cool cool thing in there well and obama was on mark maron's podcast last week okay and he dropped the n-bomb to talk about it yeah and him kind of owning up to the i'm gonna use this word to discuss it mm-hmm plays into your thoughts there too so i think it's i think it's an interesting discussion yeah yeah i mean you do, you have no reason to say the word really no but if you want to say it then you know you should be able to say it i mean just be sensitive to the people you're around yeah. they will slap you yeah <laughs> so that's fair um your other two points so she the handbag scene you know talking about that? and lily and oh, lily man. taking his yeah what was the handbag scene so the handbag scene was like basically like um he needed to go exchange bitcoins to get some hard cash in the in the the like garment shop yeah garment shop yeah and then you know the guy's like you know one of these handbags is real and one of them's fake and you know what's the difference between them you know and he kind of discovers that the difference is has nothing to do with what it looks like. It's like the person rocking the handbag, which is a really good message, I think, you know, um, just mm-hmm. to take something that, you know, I don't know, just something as simple as a handbag and just say, you know, this thing here, if you want to make it real, you can. You just got to, you have to act like it. Yeah. Which I think was a good thing for Malcolm to hear at that time because he was struggling, you know, up until that point, like, what's he going to do? And, how's he gonna get out of the situation mm-hmm. so and then then they they kind of like just to kind of like bring you back to the whole like let's have fun in this movie kind of thing he's like slap me you know <laughs> <laughs> he was like yeah you know, just to kind of be ballsy i think just to put, put a little more edge in there which i thought was kind of funny but i don't know i'm i'm, I'm looking at nick right now and nick's just like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the well to me the actual the test was the punch in the face. Like the whole life lesson about the handbag, I was like, Wow. Mm-hmm. This is a little telegraph, don't you think? Like what does this cokehead care? You know <laughs> I mean, what I mean? Like I he mean, walks yeah, in, it's... Hey man, what's the test? Punch me in the face as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Alright, I'm gonna kill you. Punch you in the face. You mm-hmm. passed. Here you go. Like it was a little mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind it. I, I got what he was going for, but it was just kind of funny. I was like, Why is that character the one administering this lesson? What is he what is he <laughs> yeah. shit? You know, it's I mean? the kind of people that I guess he runs into. I mean, we all have people in our lives that are I mean, I've, I've I guess met you could people. learn. You learn in the weirdest places sometimes. Yeah. From like pretty extreme experiences. You learn things. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Whatever. If you just put yourself out there, which is what I think the whole <clears throat> movie is all about. It's just like kind of because these nerds, these geeks, self-proclaimed geeks, you know, they, they, they're into shit. We, white people like. Like skateboards and getting good grades. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, and like basically, what do they do in the beginning? You know, they they sit in their room, they watch Yo MTV raps on VHS, they go to record stores. It's like it's like this is them kind of like they think they're living right. They think, oh, I'm really cool because I know about '90s hip hop, or I'm really cool because like I put my songs online. 
but you're not that cool. You know, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you're not. That's what the movie's saying. Maybe you're not that cool. Maybe you have to experience life. Maybe you have to get out there. Maybe you have to do something. You know, sell drugs <laughs> online. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe that way you'll you'll live a little bit. Maybe that way you'll learn that that what you're doing maybe is 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 just like it's only good for you. But what dope is trying to do, I think, is trying to show the world that these things expressing yourself, you know, showing the world what you're made of is, is good for everybody. Yeah. And the, and the Lily taking, we don't have to talk about all my stuff. guys. No, 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 please. (laughs) I want to, I want to hit on this is good discussion. So the Lily scene, she offers to take his virginity basically. I mean, it's such a, it's such a big part of the movie that I think that like, I, I haven't talked about it really with anybody other than people who've seen it. And, um, and those are the people to talk to about it, I'd say. Yeah, right. Because like she's this sexual, gorgeous woman. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and immediately she's just, you know, calling, calling, come hither, come hither. Let's, yeah. let's do this. And like, you're wondering what's her deal. You know, she's in the pool. She's like, wait, waiting around in the pool for him. And then they're alone together. And you think it's going to be this like amazing thing that's going to happen to him. And then what happens? pukes in his mouth (laughs) (laughs) after she does some of the drugs you know yeah so it's kind of like it's kind of doing what what a lot of teen films you know don't i know it's gross um (laughs) a lot of teen films would do something like that right they would have well they would have their own it it would be it it would be like it's that fantasy fantasy fulfillment Mm -hmm. kind of thing where like very fast times at ridgemont high right where phoebe cates comes out of the water Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but But it's, it's but realistically, still, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, and they and it, it just they ramp up the absurdity of the situation mm-hmm. just to be like, yeah, this shit doesn't happen. Like, yeah. Kind of like, yeah, which I loved, I loved, and that. it goes kind of crazy from that too. Yeah, with the uh, someone gets shot. <laughs> oh yeah, it goes bonkers for a minute yeah. there. Yeah, she runs and pees in the bushes outside of yep Starbucks yep. or Seven Bucks, whatever it's called. Yeah, Seven, seven bucks. bucks Coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So the film just does a lot of things. Um, refreshing, yeah. It's refreshing. It's right? a lot of interesting stuff put mm-hmm. together, and like a very mm-hmm. feels very coordinated. Like it's it's all there for a reason, and mm-hmm. better than just a lot of those movies out there. Where like these are a lot of good ideas, but do mm-hmm. they belong together? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So all it's right, true. check out Dope if you get a chance. Hopefully, it'll get to you uh, at some point soon. But I think that's about it for this uh, review. Feedback at com. We want you to write in and talk to us about dopes. Please do that. You can also talk to us on Twitter at MFN Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at that handle as well. MidwestFilmNerds.com has all 133 plus bonus episodes, including the Fight the Franchise that was posted on Monday. Part 2 will be coming on Saturday. Uh, Nikki, Willie, and Tim and myself talked about Halloween, the film series. So check that out. And uh, next week, not quite sure what we're going to do. It could be Magic Mike. It could be Terminator. It could be both. might be neither. Who knows? We'll find out. We'll see what's going on. There's a lot going on this weekend. Fourth of July weekend here in the U.S. Uh, I have a wedding to be the man of honor in. So that's going on too. So lots of stuff going on. But you guys will be the first to know. Hopefully I'll post something out on the Facebook uh uh, this weekend so you can get a chance to get out there and see the movie that we're going to talk about but uh, yeah I think that's about it 
Alex, why? Go watch a movie.